Good morning, family of faith. Are you out there? Hello? Are you out there? I see you. Hello? Oh, I heard you. Thank you. Um, oh, they turned the lights up. Oh, now you can see me. That's too bad. Uh, good morning. I am happy to see all your smiling faces. I love y'all. I'm happy to see you uh, out there in social media world. Excited to be in the house of the Lord, right? Yes, thank you. We're excited to be. I only have a couple of announcements, but I'll probably mess them up. I mean, no, I won't mess them up. Uh, first of all, there's no Next Steps meeting today. It'll be next Sunday. There is no Next Steps meeting today. It'll be next Sunday, okay? And if you need any information on that, the Welcome Center is right through those two doors, and you can go out there, and they'll give you any information you need. Also, Good Friday, the Friday before Easter, Sunday, from 4 to 8 p.m. is the time of reflection. Good Friday. What are you looking at? Oh, we're not up there yet. All right, Good Friday, 4 to 8 p.m., a time of reflection. Come and um, just reflect on what Jesus has done for us. And then Easter Sunday, the 31st of March, there's a 7 a.m. Uh, miracle service and that's awesome. You should come to. And there's a 10 a.m. celebration service on Easter Sunday as well. So uh, we, uh, we, we have joy in the house of the Lord. You know that? There's joy in the house of the Lord, right? Is everybody, everybody joyful? Well, you should be because we have a couple of baptisms coming up, and there's no greater joy than seeing somebody baptized. And I was just reflecting on that today. And, you know, baptism is um, our identity with Christ as we are submerged into the water. It's our identity with his death uh, and burial. And as we come out of the water, it's uh, us identifying with his resurrection. And, it's, and basically proclaiming three things. We're proclaiming that we're Christ followers, that we have new life in Christ, and we're also proclaiming that we are new members of a family. Isn't that cool? We're new members of a family. So if, there's, if, if you don't have any joy today, if you're struggling, there's joy in this baptism that's going to take place. And also remember Deuteronomy 31.8, what does it say? It says, the Lord will personally go before you. He will be with you. He will never leave or forsake you. So if you, find, you can't find joy in that, I don't know what you can find joy in. So I'm going to turn it over to Pastor Nicole. Thanks, Ray. Hey, thank you. Good morning, everyone at Only Believe. This morning we have Bree with us. She has decided to get baptized today. She wants to declare, hallelujah, she wants to declare the outward to all of you, the outward proclamation of an inward change that the Holy Spirit is doing in her life and continues to do. And I happen to know that um, Bree's friend made her a sweatshirt last night. And the sweatshirt said, today she's going to leave it in the water. So we're going to leave all of our past behind, everything that's been done. Bree, have you asked Jesus into your heart? I have. To become your personal Savior. Yep. And now you're living for him. Absolutely. You're going to raise this one for him. <laughs> yeah. And soon to be married to Mike. And we're excited what? for you. And we're so glad that we can be a part of your day. Sit down and let's do this. Woo! <laughs> Give it up and leave it in the water, sister. Today, Bree, we acknowledge 
the inward change that you want to declare in this outward service with your friends and your family today, no longer the same, leaving the past behind and walking into tomorrow new. I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. <laughs> we also have Miss Mercedes. And Mercedes has her siblings here with her today, watching her and her family's in the audience. I met you earlier. What a beautiful day. Yes. What, it, what an excitement for you to become a part of the family of God. Not only does he live inside of your heart, you've asked him to be your savior. Is that right, Mercedes? Yes, ma'am. We were here. It was a beautiful day. Yes. But today, we acknowledge the inward change that the Holy Spirit, only he can do inside of you. That you're no longer what you were, but you've been made new. All right, cover your nose. Father, right now we baptize her in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Well, if you would stand to your feet this morning, we've come with joy to worship our King this morning. God who was, we worship the God who is, we worship the God who evermore will be. He opened the prison doors, he parted the raging sea. My God, he holds the victory. Yeah. There's joy in the house of the Lord, there's joy in the house of the Lord today. We won't be quiet. We shout out your praise. There's joy in the house of the Lord. Our God is surely in this place. We won't be quiet. We shout out your praise. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Whoa, whoa. We sing to the God who heals. We sing to the God who saves. We sing to the God who always makes a way. Cause he hung up on that cross and he rose up from that grave. My God still rolls his stones away. There's joy in the house of the Lord. There's joy in the house of the Lord today. And we won't be quiet. We shout out your praise. There's joy in the house of the Lord. Our God is surely in this place. We won't be quiet. We shout out your praise. Because oh, we were the beggars. Now we're royalty. We were the prisoners. Now we're running free. We are forgiven, accepted, redeemed by His grace. Let the house of the Lord sing praise. We were the beggars, now we're royalty. We are the prisoners, now we're running free. We are forgiven, accepted, redeemed by His grace. Let the house of the Lord sing praise. 
of the Lord today, and we won't be quiet. We shout out your praise. There's joy in the house of the Lord. Our God is surely in this place. He won't be quiet. We shout out your praise. There's joy in the house of the Lord. There's joy in the house of the Lord today. And we won't be quiet. We shout out your praise. There's joy in the house of the Lord. Our God is surely in this place. We won't be quiet. Oh, we shout out your praise. Oh, 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 There's joy in the house of the Lord. There's joy in the house of the Lord today. And we won't be quiet. Oh, we shout out your praise. There's joy in the house of the Lord. Our God is surely in this place. We won't be quiet. We shout out your praise. There's joy in the house of the Lord. There's joy in the house of the Lord today. And we won't be quiet. Oh, we shout out your praise. There's joy in the house of the Lord. Our God is surely in this place. We won't be quiet. Oh, we shout out your praise. Yes, Lord. As the spirit was moving over the water, spirit come move over us. Come rest on us. Come rest on us. As the spirit was moving over the water, spirit come move over us. Come rest on us. Come rest on us. So come down. Spirit, when you move, you make my heart pound. When you fill the room, you're here and I know you are moving. I'm here and I know you would fill me. Come down. Spirit, when you move, you make my heart pound. When you fill the room, you're here and I know you are moving. I'm here and I know you would fill me. As the spirit was moving over the water, spirit come move over us. Come rest on us. Come rest on us. As the spirit was moving over the water, spirit come move over us. Come rest on us. Come rest on us. Fire and wind come and do it. The gates that heaven on end. Come rest on us. Come rest on us. Fire and wind, come and do it again. Open up the gates that heaven on end. Come rest on. 
shoulders. So come down, spirit, when you move, you make my heart pound. When you fill the room, you're here and I know you are moving. I'm here and I know you and feel me come down. Spirit, when you move, you make my heart pound. When you fill the room, you're here and I know you are moving. I'm here and I know you and feel me. Come and feel us up, God. Holy Spirit, come rest. King 
Never gonna let me down 
He never will. 
our strong tower He has never lost a battle No, He has never lost a battle Our great defender Our strong tower He has never lost a battle no, he has never lost a battle. Our great defender, our strong tower, and he has never lost a battle. No, he has never lost a battle. Our great defender, oh, our strong tower. And he never will, he never will And he never will, he never will And he never will, he never will
says that the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. And I want you to know something today. If you have Jesus as Lord of your life, that means that you are the righteous. Can we say amen to that? So understand when we pray, much is going to happen. You got to have this expectation and it's not much by your definition. It's much by God's definition. So we're going to pray. We're going to pray for salvations. So that means, you know what, you people on your job, people in your family that no one thinks would ever get saved. Oh, we're going to lift those people up today. Can we say amen to that? We're going to pray for salvation. We're going to pray 
that this Easter celebration, we see more salvations in this church than we've ever seen before. And I'm telling you today, your prayer, your prayer will make the difference. So as I pray, I don't want you to just listen to me. I want you to be praying out loud. You know people that need to be saved. We're going to pray for an Easter celebration unlike any other in this church. There's going to be miracles taking place. People will get saved, set free, and delivered. But I'm telling you right now, your prayer, your prayer is going to open up that door. So as I pray, you pray too. Amen. Father, right now, in the name of Jesus, God, I thank you, Father, that people are coming to Christ, Father, in record numbers. I know what the world says, but we don't go by what the world says. We speak by faith. We speak life right now. God, I thank you that family members are coming to Christ. I thank you that you're changing their hearts right now and their minds right now. God, I thank you that co-workers are coming to Christ, Father, and we'll invite them to this church, God, and they will have an experience that they've never had before. I thank you, Father, that the ungodly, they're changing right now because of the words that are coming out of our mouth, God. I thank you, Lord Jesus, that people will turn to you. Evil will not win, God. I thank you that we speak it. We speak it by faith that people will turn to you. Our communities will change. Our state will change. Our region will change. Our country will change because we are speaking life and not death. And we are speaking it by faith in the name of Jesus. And I thank you that this Easter celebration will be a great one. I thank you that the church will be full. I thank you that people will get healed. I thank you for the message that will change the lives of those around us and across the world, God. We just thank you for it, and we give you the praise. In Jesus' name we pray. Let us all say amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Give the Lord a hand praise today. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You can be seated. Hallelujah. In the house of the Lord today. Amen. I don't know who cleans all this, but you got a lot of spit to wipe up right now. <laughs> Hallelujah. Uh, so I get the chance uh, to do the offering today. And... Uh, I was reading, uh, and, and I'm, I'm going to read this out of the Amplified uh, version. It, it just really kind of spoke to me. But in 1 Peter chapter 1, uh, verse 13, it says this, So prepare your minds for action. Be completely sober in spirit, steadfast, self-disciplined, spiritually and morally alert, Fix your hope completely on the grace of God that is coming to you when Jesus Christ is revealed. Verse 14, live as obedient children. Live as obedient children. Look at your neighbor and say, live as obedient children. Yeah, of God. It says, do not be conformed to the evil desires which governed you in your ignorance. 
before you knew the requirements and the transforming power of the good news regarding salvation. Be like, verse 15, be like the Holy One who called you. Be holy yourselves in all your conduct. Be set apart from the world by your godly character and morally courage because it is written, you shall be holy, set apart, for I am holy. So as I read this, when I became born again, this is, this is telling me that, you know what, the same rules, guidelines, and mindset that used to govern me no longer govern me. I've been set free. I've been set apart. So now I have a different set of rules that I live by. So before, I might have said, man, I'm not giving my money to that church. That church looked like they're doing pretty good. They look like they need to give me some money. I might have thought like that before I got saved. But the Bible says I've been set apart because of the work of Jesus Christ. Can we say amen to that? So since I'm set apart, I'm, I'm governed differently. I may still live in this world, but I don't act like this world. So my actions reveal my holiness. My decision-making shows my holiness. So here's what I want to tell you. How many people in here desire to be holy? Well, let me let you in on something. You can't be holy without being obedient. Can we say amen to that? So, so that obedience, and sometimes we have to push and we have to strive and we have to work at it, but that obedience begins to reveal something. It shows that, you know what, I have been changed. It shows that Jesus is real. It shows that sin does not have power over my life anymore. So, we need to make his ways our ways. So when he says tithe, then guess what? I just need to tithe. Well, but you don't know my finances. Well, you don't know mine. And you know what? It's not even about that. It's about a trust in one who never fails. It's about a holy lifestyle. And in times past, I might have looked at this as something not so important. But I don't know about you, but I grew up with one of those moms that everything she said, she meant. She never had to tell me, now listen, I'm for real about this. I knew every word that proceeded out of her mouth, I had to take it as this is law, this is what needs to be done. Well, if I can do that for my mother, how much more can I do that for my heavenly father? So today, purpose in your heart. I want to be holy. I want to be obedient. So when you say give, I'm going to give. When you say give a tithe, 10%, I'm going to do it because you said it. And he's empowered us to do it. Can we say amen to that? Let me pray over your giving. Father, in the name of Jesus, as people step out in faith and begin to give, even some have to push through. Some have to change everything that they've known and understand. I'm thankful, God, that you have met them where they're at. 
and that God, a harvest is coming for their act of faith. Now, I speak blessings over them right now, and I thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Bring your tithe and offering unto the Lord. Somebody give God praise in the house today. For he is good and his mercy endures forever. Amen. I'm reminded of scripture today. So it was in the worship service. The Lord reminded me of the scripture. 1 Thessalonians, the fourth chapter, the 13th verse. I want to read it to you today. For those of you that might not know, we lost a very dear parishioner in the house. Um, Edward Joseph Ingram, who was a very special man, staff member, um, saw him Monday in our staff meeting, which, by the way, just so you should know, he loathed staff meetings. In fact, he always teased the staff and told us he was choosing to die in one of them <laughs> to let us know how much he loved them. And we would tease him about, joke, stop it, Ed, don't joke like that. He didn't die in our staff meeting, but he died shortly thereafter in the afternoon. Um, in a car accident. But I read this to you because it's important. We're going to start with verse 18 because it tells us why we're doing it. It says, so encourage each other with these words. Now we're going to go back to 13. And now, dear brothers and sisters of the faith, I'm adding that, we want you to know what will happen to the believers who have died. So you will not grieve like people who have no hope. <laughs> For since we believe that Jesus died and was raised to life again, we also believe that when Jesus returns, God will bring back with him the believers who have died. Church, I want to encourage you with these words. We don't serve a God that is not faithful and true to deliver on every word that he has said. Our Savior is no longer in the grave. And because our Savior was resurrected and now sits at the right hand of God, you and I can trust, you and I can put our hope in a life that is far greater than anything we could ever live here. We must encourage each other today with these words. The receiving line is from 2 to 4 o'clock and then the funeral being at 4. With that being said, let us pray. Father, we come before you today. Father, though our hearts be heavy in the natural, Father, we rely upon you in the spiritual. Father, for we know that Brother Ed has arrived. Father, that 
I thank you, Lord, that we will mourn like Christians. Father, that we will put our hope and our trust upon you. And Father, that the world would see us and wonder, how are you like that? How are you getting through that? And we will be able to share the story of Christ, the Savior. Father, I thank you that you would bless every word that we speak today out of this pulpit. Father, that you would honor the words going forth, Father, and that every word that is spoken would go forth and fall into the hearts and the minds of every believer here and every sinner that is present. Father, that it would break up the fallow ground, break up the hardness of hearts, and Father, begin to saturate with the Holy Spirit. Father, begin to draw hearts to your word and to the spirit of change by the work of your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Let us go. Uh, today we're going to be continuing our Back in Order series. Um, and we realized over our last week that God is the one that sets our priorities. And you and I embrace the truth that life is better when ordered God's way. Not when we do things our way, but God's way. When you and I choose to build our lives upon his words, his ways, upon the Bible, the, the way that God tells us to live this life, then we are going to be able to withstand the schemes that the devil tries to plot against our lives. Realize that some things in life are just natural accidents. Some things in life are demonic attacks. Not everything in our life is demonic. Not everything that happens in our life that's going awry is the devil's fault. It could be a simple choice that you and I made that has now put us in a bad situation and we need to be able to withstand the storm that we have created in our lives. Some of us create the very storm that we're in because we do not trust in the prioritization of the word. We don't trust in God's way. We trust in doing it our way. But we know that if we will prefer God's way above our own and humble ourselves underneath his way, that he will help us to live according to his word. And our house will not be fallen, devoured by the enemy. It won't crumble before our knee. It may be shaken. It may be challenged. It may be ruffled. Some of our planners may be thrown onto the ground and, and our windows broken, but in the end, we're still standing and God is still in control of our lives because we've surrendered our way to him. We acknowledge that God isn't just a priority, but he's the source of our life. Everything we do, the way we're married, the way we parent, the way we work our job, the way we hang out with our friends and the relationships that we build. It's out of our relationship with God that those things flourish. Or the lack of that they die because we are not living out of him. And we're living out of ourselves. It's out of him, through him, and to him. Everything that we do. In other words, our marriages are a reflection of our relationship with him. The way we parent is a reflection of the way we love him. The way we work with people in our jobs is a reflection of him. Whew. Let's turn our Bibles to Philippians, the second chapter. 
three through eight is where we're going to start today. And here's what it says. It says, don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble, thinking of others better than yourselves. Don't look out only for your own interest, but take interest in others too. You must, someone say must, have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position as a slave and was born as a human being. Humble service first begins unto the Lord. If you and I don't have an attitude of Christ in our life, then we're not becoming Christ-like. Remember, we're Christians. That means we're Christ-like, learning to be like him. We're disciples of Christ, learners of Jesus. We're looking to him as our example. So if Christ humbled himself before God, his Father, why are we not? Why are we not in our lives? See, some of our relationships in our workplaces, because we've went through the priorities of the Lord. The first one is obviously that we have him first in all ways. Number two was our marriage. Number three was our children. If you didn't have a marriage or you don't have children, then you are allowed to be at God's work all the time, available 24 hours to do exactly what he's purposed you to do. For those of you that decided to get married and have children... Those things come before the things that God wants us to do in our life. Because it's important to God that the world sees a supernatural family of God working and being positioned in the organization that he wants. It's important that the way the world views our parenting... Is not that, oh, the church just raises their kids by the hair of their head. I saw a parent pick their kid up and beat them till they were bleeding. Well, that's abuse. You're right, it is abuse. And that shouldn't be the way a Christian disciplines a child. That's not according to God's way. Do you see? The world is watching you and I. Genesis 2.15, let's start there. It says that the Lord... God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to, that word gives us purpose, put him in the garden to work and take care of it. For you and I, that was the very first job that man ever had. Well, I thought I was going to retire and I don't have a job. If you are retired, your job is the kingdom. In case no one told you that. Do you realize that this life is but a vapor and I'm not trying to make anyone feel guilty by any means? Let me tell you, you can do the work of the Lord in Florida in the sun. I'm not going to tell you you can't. Like, I think that's amazing. But I'm going to tell you, if the only thing you think is that you can't wait till you're 65 or you're 61 and you want to take early retirement, so the only thing you can think about is your skin and it being brown, and you having nothing to do in your life, I'm telling you, we have another thing coming. 
Because Paul tells us that we reach for a prize. We're striving for a prize. We're running a race. And that race is to get to an end that brings as many people to Christ as we can possibly take. Now, by all means, if you want to have a beach ministry, you want to have a by-the-pool ministry, you want to have a sauna ministry, that's great. But that needs to be more of your day than you just thinking about yourself. I think I might just keep working for the Lord. It might be a little bit easier. Because I don't know that once I start laying before the Lord, that I might be able to get up and go care about what he cares about. I might just get too tired in my age. I might just get too lazy and idle in my older days. God doesn't call us to idle. Work is a plan of God for humanity. In Thessalonians, we find a warning from Paul and Timothy to the church, exhorting the members to not become idle. That idle word means, hmm, unemployed, labor-free. You ready? Or lazy. That's a hard one. That's a hard one. Not to be a burden to others, but to follow their example while they were with them. And they gave them this rule. The one who is unwilling to work shall not eat. Right? We all know that. You don't work, you don't eat. We've heard it a million times. But what if we stepped over the line with that? What if we said that idol was, here we go, without a job, unemployed, labor free? What if it wasn't our bread because we've already got our storehouses full, so we're never going to go without bread? Am I allowed to be lazy? Am I allowed to be employed? Am I allowed to have nothing to do? Because see, not oftentimes is the word in which you read it the actual only thing that it means. You and I are not to be idle about the things of the kingdom. And a lot of us have become very comfortable in our positions, in our church, in our jobs, and in our families because, you know, it's comfortable. It's just comfortable, Pastor Nicole. You just don't understand. I've strived my whole life to get where I'm at. We strive until we take our last breath. We continue for the Lord's purpose and the Lord's plan till our very last breath. Oftentimes, people that find themselves in retirement are just now available for the fullness of the work of the Lord. Do you know since Brother Ed's passing, I've had two plus one prior to dad's passing, men in the church come to me and say, Pastor Nicole, I want to make myself available to you and Pastor Randy. I feel a drawing on my heart that I'm supposed to visit, that I'm supposed to pray for, that I'm supposed to support the congregation in this church. And I've got time on my hands. In other words, I am idle. And I'm just sitting here with my car ready. And all I need to do is push on the gas. If you'll just give me some direction. If you'll just tell me what you need from me in the house of the Lord. I'm willing to rise to the occasion to do it. It would take ten men. Ten men to replace Brother Ed. Ten men to replace that man. Because he cared so much. And yet God's already raising men up. To feel the call. To feel the tug in their heart. To say... I'm willing, I got four hours a week, I got a couple hours a week, I got this, I can offer this. God sees what you need even before you have want or ask of it. Work is an important priority in God's plan. It not only provides for you and your family, but it's a part of God's great design and care for the people of the earth. Do you realize that? 
We are all made to need each other and what we bring. It's important that you and I are not idle. What if, what if the first person that had the guts to sit in a surgery room where a person came in with a blown appendix and said, hmm, I wonder if we could take that appendix out and then still live. What if that person had decided to never be a doctor? What if that person had decided to become idle with the very purpose that God had planned for their life? See, they were drawn to love people. They were drawn to want to help mankind. They were drawn to want to implement something into their society. But if they hadn't shown up to work that day, think of how many more people would have died from an exploded appendix because they didn't have the guts to lay on the line and say, this man's going to die anyways. Let's see if he can live without the appendix. My grandfather's brother died of an exploded appendix because they didn't know they could take one out. Think of that. They use their purpose and their goodness. What if you, what if you have a purpose and a plan for your life in your workplace that only you can identify that problem, that only you can understand the inner workings of what God wants to do within that company, yet you become idle in your job. You're just like, yeah, I don't know. I'm just here to make the donuts. It's time to get up and make the donuts. By the way, if you work at Dunkin' Donuts, those of us who frequent your shop, we're glad you got up and made the donuts because I like my donut warm. I like my glaze dripping off that donut. Like, I love that. My mom and dad used to go to Krispy Kreme and they'd watch that machine roll and they would say, no, 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 we don't want those. We want that one right off that roller. They wanted it fresh out. Thank God someone got up and decided to make the donuts. And I guess sometimes life's mundane. The book of Matthew in the 25th chapter, it tells us a parable of three servants who each received money from their master. And after a long period of time, the master came back to ask for the accountability of what those servants had done with his money. Do you realize that you and I are often like these servants? We show up to work to serve our bosses. And then after a certain time, our bosses come in with an evaluation and they tell us how we're doing. But they evaluate us based on the work that we have done and what we've shown them. Two of these servants did really well. They took the talents that had been given to them by their master and they doubled them. What did it take to double talents? You think they got to walk around just, okay, well, let's watch where it grows. Let's just watch it grow. No, they had to do something. It took work. It took effort. It took energy. It took thought to do with this talent, to make this man as much as they could. And you know what he told these two? Good for you. You were faithful in the little things, so I'm going to give you more. I'm going to give you more responsibility. There's some of us that maybe haven't gotten a significant responsibility change in our workplace. We're not getting any raises. We're not getting anywhere in our life. The first thing you got to do is become self-aware. Are you a good employee? 
Are you really putting forth 100% effort? Or are you just doing what you need to do to get by? Because I'm going to tell you, that's not what God's called us to. God's called us to go in and be the best worker. He's called us to be the one that doubles our employer's money. That if it, they're asking for 30 parts, we're putting out 35. If they ask for 35, we're putting out 40. We're doing our best to make a good, good, good impression. Not on our boss. On the Lord. The third one. He gives an account for what he's done. And he was like, oh man, I knew you were such a taskmaster. I knew you were going to require so much that I just, I got fearful. So I took mine and I buried it. I hid it. But, but here, you can have it back. He called him wicked, evil, and lazy. What really come down to is that he didn't want to do the work. He didn't want to do what it took to be responsible in this life. To do what God's asking him to do. This is why I'm talking to you that work is not just about a paycheck. Work is about the responsibility to our father. To our father. He put Adam in the garden to manage the garden. To work it. To cultivate it. What is that? To cause things to grow. You realize that you are in your workplaces. You are owners of businesses because you are caused to change the atmosphere of your workplace. I'm, I, Kathy, please forgive me for using you as an, as an example today, but it's a good example. I see Kathy sitting back there, and I can't tell you the amount of people that I hear. She's, a, she's more than a nurse. I don't know what she is. She's the highest you can go as a nurse without being a doctor. But I'm telling you, they might as well give her a doctor's reward because the woman is in there with your family members. Praying and touching them with the Spirit of God while they're in the hospital. Though she's on her nurse duty and she's doing and making sure all of her nurses are doing what they're supposed to do. When they're not, she's doing her godly purpose within the nursing industry. She's not just there to get a paycheck. She's not just there to tell women and men what to do. She's there to make a difference in her community. She's there to make a difference in the hearts of the doctors and the nurses that she's touching. That hospital wouldn't be the same without Kathy. Because God purposed her for such a time as this to do what only she can do to those people. Do you see? Your work is valuable. And at the end of this chapter, it says that he rewards those who do what we're supposed to do. I'm just telling you, the reward can be great or the reward can be nothing. And if you're not receiving a reward in your workplace, you might want to start asking, God, what can I do? What can I do for you in my workplace that would cause reward, that would cause glory to be drawn to you? And that my boss would look at me and say, I've seen a change in you and I don't know what's happening, but I like this. And I like who you are and I see Jesus in you at this workplace. And I just want to say thank you for working here. Do you know that's probable? That's very probable. We can take away so much from this parable, whether you think it's about money, whether you think it's about a talent that you have to be used for the kingdom, or whether the bottom line is it identifies a role of opportunity given to you and I. What will you do with the opportunity given to you by the Lord 
your master, whom we are enslaved to, will it be hard work? Will it be accountability? See, because God's looking for his servants to be faithful in our workplaces. In the little. In the little. Will you follow the procedure they've put in place? Or are you just the one that says, oh, we don't even need that ISO report. That's stupid. Well, that's not being faithful in the little. Let me tell you this. If your boss asks you to be there at 8 o'clock, then you best show up a little before 8 o'clock so you can hang up your coat and your keys and get yourself all set up so that you're ready to step in at 8 o'clock and take over. Do you see? Have we lost the responsibility to remember? Do we just think that we're above where we're supposed to be? Remember, it said that Jesus submitted himself underneath the Father. He humbled himself. He was God. If anyone could break the rules... It was Jesus. But he didn't choose to break the rules. He chose to walk in the rules. So we've had a little incident in our house. Quentin decided that he was late to where he was supposed to go, so he sped up to get there a little faster. Well, when he sped up, he was clocked going 30 miles over the speed limit in a very fast car. My car. <clears throat> Was it your car? Your car's faster. That's even bad. Anyway, so we decide, what are we going to do? So we grounded him. And we started talking about the ability to be responsible. So we told him, here's the deal. We're not playing no games anymore. This is your dog. You're going to feed and water your dog twice a day. This dog is highly ridiculous. She gets chicken and cottage cheese because she has colitis. So you have to cook the chicken, you got to cut the chicken, you got to, oh, it's ridiculous. It's a dog, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, you got a dog too like that, David, right? I had friends, not to mention any names, who gave their dogs diabetes shots. I know, we love our animals. Anyways, so we, we went through this list of things and we said, you must prove over the next amount of grounding period that you are responsible. You know what happens? He comes out the other day. I hear the alarm clock go off. Guess what time it is? 10 o'clock. I said, you feed the dog at 10 and 6 every day. The dog needs to be fed on time so she doesn't get sick. She likes regimen, okay? 10 o'clock, he comes out in his underwear. <laughs> Gets out the cottage cheese, puts it up. But Randy says it's 10.04 because his alarm was sent at 10. No. So, he, no, now, oh, Lincoln, please, please come up here and tell us what you think. Please. Yeah, that's his older brother laughing. Here's the problem. If your employer tells you to be there at 10, do you set your alarm at 10 or do you set your alarm earlier than 10 so that you can do the task that's been ordered of you by 10? Responsibility in the small things. And he's like, oh my gosh, you guys are just being ridiculous. This is legalism. This is just ridiculous. Where's the grace? Doesn't help that he's a Christian kid. He wants to shoot out all this mercy and grace. Where's Jesus in this, mom? Where's Jesus? I said, Jesus done left it at the cross. Now it's your turn. Get up, buddy. Pick it up. What are, we're dealing with responsibility. That if he can't show up to feed a dog at 10... 
How are you going to show up to the dispatcher's job that you're trying to apply for and tell them that you're going to save people's lives because you're going to hear a phone call come in, you're going to respond on time, not in your underwear, not four minutes late because now someone's died. You hear my point? We as parents are to teach responsibility to our children. But if you and I aren't living that responsibility, if you and I can't show up to work on time, then what do you think your kid's going to do? Have you ever met the people in your life that even though you're in a hurry to get somewhere, they have one speed? I'm just going to say this is not me in our household. I am the Johnny on the spot early person. I like to be early. I have a rhythm. I love to be. But for some people in my house, when I say, come on, we're in a hurry. We got to go. We're going to be late. If that was Nicole, this would be me. Oh my gosh, I got to get my glasses. But some people in our house, quit rushing me. Gosh, I can't think when you're this way. Where's my keys? Where's my phone? I don't know. The night before, I laid all mine out. <laughs> now, I'm not mentioning any names. Come on, Rick. Rick's standing up. Rick understands my pain. One of those children God gave me is horrible. <laughs> In every household, there's one that arrives early and there's one that arrives late. Now, we're learning to deal with that, and let me tell you how we deal with it. He drives himself and I drive myself. And we come to the same place and one's early and one's right on time. You see the difference? The point is, your best foot forward. Ephesians 6, 5, and 6. Let's go there. Here's what it says. This is good. I'll tell you this, though. You know what's good about that happening in your household? If you forget something, there's always someone there to bring it to you. <laughs> If you forget something because you're in a hurry and you're in it, there's always somebody to bring it to you. Amen. All right. It says, slaves, obey your earthly masters with deep respect and fear. Serve them sincerely as you would serve Christ. Try to please them at all time. Not just when they are watching you. As slaves of Christ, do the will of God with all your heart. Work with enthusiasm, as though you were working for the Lord rather than people. Wow. Remember that the Lord will reward each of us for the good we do, whether we are slaves or free. I think that scripture just taught us that we are to work for our employers as unto Christ. Right? Is that not what it said? That... I'm just going to be real with you. Some of this is, is very hard. Because, see, we, are, we have this entitlement mentality in America. And I'm just going to be real with you. We must curb that entitlement. You think because you show up and you work a wage that you deserve something. Right? Correct. I'm, I'm just being real with you. But God's telling us that we're to work as slaves unto Christ. That remember, we're humbling our... Now, please, please understand. I'm not telling you that you have to stay in a job where you're abused, where you're beaten down every day. But I will tell you this. In the midst of that, you still best be respecting your boss. 
you still best not be complaining. You still must not be grumbling because now you're falling into sin. What you need to do is as soon as you leave work that day at 4 o'clock, then from 4 o'clock to 5 o'clock, you're putting in applications everywhere you can trying to get a new job. And you don't stick your boss and go, you know what, I've been waiting to get fired from you, but you know what, forget it, I just quit. No, that's not the responsible way. We would give a notice we would allow someone to learn to learn from us and we would teach them the job before we leave because that's the way Christ would leave a job. Gosh, I know this is painful. I remember my dad, he let me quit the church twice. Second time I came begging for a job after I'd worked at the truck stop that took three washings of your face to get the grease off from working the grill. The paint shop where I worked tirelessly and carried all these, I'm looking at Miss Lorene, she's got a big smile on her face. I just want to, I, I will toot my own horn. My manager, Lorene Hall, came to me and she said, Nicole, I need to talk to you. I said, okay, what am I doing wrong? She said, well, third shift is complaining about you. So I don't work third shift, I work second. I was a high school kid, I could only work from like two to 10. It's not like you got a whole lot of hours. You know, I got to run there after school and get back. And she said, yeah, they're complaining that you're doing too much on second shift, so there's nothing for them to do on third. <laughs> I was filling everything. I was stalking everything. I am bored out of my mind. And if there was no truck driver in there needing a hot dog, by the way, never get those hot dogs off those rollers. I can't tell you how many hairs I pulled off the rollers. Do not eat the hot dogs. Woo! I'm telling you that when you and I show up to work, we are to be enthusiastic about our job. We are to be there ready to work hard. Give all we have because the Lord is watching. How many of you ever been in the gym with a personal trainer? Richard, he was our trainer, and he'd be looking at us, and oh, buddy, my knees, high knees, like this, like this. I mean, I'm working it. And as soon as Richard turns his head around, I'm like, as soon as, yeah, look at me go, Richard. And then, Nicole, I can see you from the back of my head. You're giving up. This is who we are. When we know someone's watching, we try extra hard. <laughs> careful little eyes, what you see. Oh, be careful little workers, what you do. For the Father up above is looking down on us. Oh, be careful employees, how you work. That's what we would teach. I, I know that sounds crazy. He's rewarding us. When, when we don't like what's happening at work, do we start complaining to other employees? Do, good job, Miss Loretta, do we start spilling over? Well, let me just say, I don't like the way they've done this, but I guess if this is the way they want to run their place, your mouth running is going to get you not a good reward. See, here's, here's the deal. We want to talk about getting to heaven and we want to talk about being free of judgment. See, here's what Jesus' blood did for you and I. Jesus' blood erased the payment and the penalty for sin. 
But when you and I get to heaven, we are still going to be judged on a few things. It's not going to be sin. That's under the blood. But your stewardship of how you manage this life, this vessel, this mind, this heart is going to be on display. And you and I all get a grade card. And whether we like it or not, the motive of how we work, the motive of how we love, the motive of how we move towards what moves God is what you're going to be graded on. I'm just wanting to tell you in advance. I'm trying to give you that interim report so that you'll look at your life and say, am I really doing my best at my job? Or am I just doing enough to get to retirement? You know, I, I really don't want to tell people what to do. And, you know, I know my boss depends on me and I've got the ability. Yeah. Teach them how to go the next mile. The next generation needs people like you and I who will gird them up and teach them to be responsible, who will teach them how to take a drug test and pass it. <laughs> don't smoke dope. That's how you do it. In order to get a job, you have to stay clean. And if you want to eat, don't do drugs. And by the way, come to church with me. And we're going to help you. And we're going to walk with you. We're going to love you. We're going to help disciple you and show you someone that can help you get through this. Because I was once lost too. Do you see? Do we represent Jesus when things don't go right? Or do we just start cussing and fussing? Hmm. That's a tough one. Are you miserable at your job? Does anybody want to talk to you or do they just want to avoid you? No, I, no I'm being real. Like, like, do people just walk around you and go, oh, that's just the way she is? Because I'm going to tell you that's not the way God expects for you to go into your job. In fact, when you show up at your job... You should just start loving people right where they're at, ministering to them, loving them, embracing them, encouraging them, making their day better. You can change the entire atmosphere of your workplace by just one smile. Just one smile. You know, it takes more muscles to frown than it does to smile. And for those of you ladies that want Botox, smiling makes you look really young. It just does. It, you don't look so... See, my frown lines go away when I smile. And I look happier and I look approachable. We must remember that our... Oh, this is going to be so good. If you write nothing down, this is what to write down. Our earthly submission to authority is a reflection of our submission to our one true master in heaven. Do you remember me saying that if your marriage is not good then it's a reflection of your relationship with Christ. It's in every area. If your relationship with God is a two, then chances are, out of an employer from one to 10, you're about worth 20%. I'm gonna be honest with you. This is hard to hear. Because when you walk into your jobs, now there's some of us, if, you're, if, you're, if you were raised by a boomer, you just believe that you're supposed to show up to work no matter what. If you're sick, it doesn't matter. Listen, we're hacking. We got a fever and we're like, get over it. We're coming to work because this is what we do. The new generation? <coughs> <coughs> no, seriously, because we've been taught to stay in. 
You've been taught that if you have a cold, don't go. We were in school. I remember the kids, if they haven't been not throwing up, puking or pooping for 24 hours, don't send them. I'm like, you sure you're good? Because I'm ready to send you to school. He's like, Mom, I got to go. Okay, fine. You can stay home another day. It's hard. It's hard because we're such different generations. We got to teach. We got to love. We got to nurture. And I'm not saying that going to work with the fever is smart. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying that there's a limit to what we do too and that we have to identify that we have a responsibility and what's it look like in our workplaces and our churches and our families because the world's watching. Church, we are the salt of the earth. We are meant to preserve, hear me out, you ready for this? The good, responsible workforce that's gonna work wholeheartedly unto the Lord. The ones who are going to learn how to go into their jobs and to supernaturally transition that place into a supernatural place. We're going to make our bosses money. Why is it that they are not calling local churches saying, who's your members list and how do I get one of your people to work in my place? Do you understand that I'm a name bearer? And when I bear the name of Christ and because he lives in my heart, I'm now a presence possessor. Do you know what happened in the Old Testament? Wherever that presence was, there was blessing. Wherever, whatever household that presence stayed in, there was blessing that was bestowed upon that house to the righteous. If you were unrighteous, it was evil that came on your house. Let me tell you something. You as a righteous believer, when you show up into that place of work, you begin to declare the goodness of the Lord over that business and you begin to watch things to change. Things that were not profitable will become profitable. And your boss is going to begin to know. You be free to let him know. I want you to know in Saturday morning prayer, at 8 o'clock, I prayed for this place. And I believe God's going to bless us. I believe he's given us a new idea. We're not just making bearings anymore. We're going to do this. We're going to do that. God's moving in this place. We're not going to go bankrupt, but we're coming out. We're coming out of this place. Though the world would stop buying these other products, they're still buying ours. Oh, you let him know. Because it's going to bring glory to God in the end. And he's going to be just like King Nebuchadnezzar. And go, I'll tell you what, I don't know what God you're serving, but I looked in that fire and I didn't see three. I saw four. And from now on, we're all going to worship Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego's God. Do you see what God can do if you will just step up to the plate to do something supernatural in your job? God's waiting for you to believe that he can. God's waiting for you and not to be afraid to start praying for your boss. To begin to pray if he's, a, if he's a hard man with an iron fist. Begin to pray that he would be full of compassion and to love his employees. I want to take the time to speak to one thing. And then we're going to start to close. Oftentimes, we hear the, the term workaholic. And I just want to talk to this position out of concern and care today. I, 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 don't, I do want you to feel a little bit of judgment, but I don't want you to take it so wholeheartedly. It's like, oh my gosh, Pastor Nicole just killed me. But I do want you to identify that if you are a workaholic and it is taking precedent to your family, to, hear me out, not 40 hours a week. If you are working 40 hours a week and you're, you're still paying attention to your wife and your children, I'm not talking to you. I'm talking about the man or the woman that is so consumed with their work that you have no time or make any other priority in your life. 
not for a reading or describing of the word, not for prayer, not for your children. Your children can't approach you because they know that dad's mad because he's been at work and it's been a rough day. They can't approach mom because mom's overwhelmed with everything that's happening and she just doesn't know how to, how to, how to think anymore. I'm just lost. I just, oh my gosh, it was so bad at work today. You just don't understand. I do understand, but we have to rely on the Holy Spirit to help us through those hard times. That's a trial. That's a tribulation. And we all have them. And I'm not saying that's the place you need to stay to work if it's like that. You need to do your best to get out of there. But sometimes hard seasons require hard things. Sometimes we as people have made decisions to buy too much, to extend ourselves too far, to go to three cars instead of two. We've taken on college debt. We've done all these things. And now we're a slave to a job because we can't get out from underneath it. And those are true seasons in our life. And I want to be honest with you. Once you've had a season like that, you don't want to go back too quick. I don't ever want to go back to the place we were strapped. It was the worst season of our life. I tell Randy, we literally have emotional memory. We can drive down parts of Lima where we used to own homes and we were landlords. And he will look at me and say, I don't regret this one bit. And grab my hand and we can just almost shudder driving through that city. I'm serious because we have such emotional memory of what it did. I remember bringing our kids to rental properties, roach-infested rental properties, killing the roaches while we did homework and ate dinner just so we could spend time with our family. Because this is what we had to do in the season we were in. Because we had bought too much too fast and made too many stupid decisions because we were all about making the dollar and not about making the things that matter to God important. We were just trying to get ahead. We were trying to live the American dream. After all, you should all be business owners, right? Nope. No, you shouldn't. No, you shouldn't. See, something was starting to change. Our identity was starting to be birthed in something that wasn't right. Our validation was coming when people paid their rent or we got a good neighbor award because we made the ninth house on that street pretty. No, I'm serious. Our self-worth was coming from how much was in our checkbook. How fast we could turn and make 10,000, 20,000. It was like an addict. It was like another hit of cash, another hit of this dose of money that you're like, oh my gosh, I can work a job and only get $500 a week, but we can do this and make $20,000? Yes! It was feeding all the wrong places of our identity. And all of a sudden, our identity was going into something that we were doing instead of who we were serving. We were changing. Pastor Randy would park his truck in front of a guy's truck at work and not move and demand rent. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Started carrying a billy club in his front door. just in case he got into an altercation about rent. One time our family was sitting on the floor in the living room. We have wood floors. Kids were sitting down watching, I don't know, Blue's Clues, something like that. They were watching back then out in Dora. Oh, the map, the map, the map. And they were just sitting there, and one of the kids, one of the boys had a glass of milk, and they went to get up, and when they got up, their foot kicked the milk, and it went all over. And, and, and I'm revealing Randy's weakness as well as mine, but he's just like lost his mind 
This isn't a rental property. We don't live like dogs. And I'm like, what is happening? He spilled a glass of milk. We'll clean it up. It's on wood floor. It's not even on carpet. And later that night, I reached over and I said, honey, this is changing us. We paid our rent this month. You can't treat your family like this. But all of a sudden, everything that was good in who we were was being molded into something else. And we were turning into these business owners that just needed a hit of money. Work is not meant to be your identity. Work is not meant to be your self-worth. Those things can only come from Christ and Christ alone. And if we don't have him enough time in our life to even focus on that, then who you and I were meant to be is going to be changed. It's going to be morphed into the world's way. God warns us in the Bible. He says that you cannot serve two masters. And Randy and I were trying to serve both. We were trying to make money and still be a Christian, but all in the wrong ways. We didn't identify that it could change us so much. And it started a 10-year process back to who God wanted us to be. And you know what? I drive down those city streets and I'm so glad that we're not in that business no more. If Randy parks your car in now, he's come to tell you about the gospel and he's here to tell you you live in an unholy life and I found out you're doing some things behind your wife's back and I'm here to call you out. That's what this looks like now. Same purpose, same plan. I'm gonna be honest with you, same anger is in Randy Waters but it's controlled for an anger against the spiritual things that are not right in the kingdom. You see, anger is not wrong to have in your life. It's wrong when it's not controlled and put into the right perspective so it can be used for God's glory. Amen. It's just an anger towards the things of unrighteousness. Amen. It's Paul. It's Paul. Wasn't he angry, killing Christians all the time? But look what he did. He took that anger shifted it around, and then it became angry towards the things in, the, in God that weren't done right. And we get all these hate letters through the churches. It's a good hate letter. He's telling us out of love how to live our lives. You can't serve God and mammon, meaning the system of the world. I'm going to be honest with you. You're here to make money, to feed yourself, and to feed your life, and to be generous in every situation. You are not here in this life to get your self-worth from how many zeros you have in your checking account. And that's hard for some of us to hear. Luke 12, 15 says, be on guard for all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in abundance of possessions. Stand to your feet this morning. I hope I've encouraged you about your third priority being that of your workplace. I want to encourage you to be Christ in your workplace. There's a big picture to everything that you and I do in this life. It's not about how much necessarily that we make as much as it is how you work unto the Lord. I promise you that if you will work as unto him, what you make will begin to be unmeasured 
and you'll be blessed beyond what you can even imagine. But it doesn't come the opposite way first. And if it does, it's often at the cost of something. Know that. If it sounds too good to be true, it's too good to be true. And there's something else going to be on the table that you have to say yes to or say no to. Not as every job, hmm, they give you a, a, a new position here. Take this, David. I want to offer this to you. It's going to be more hours. It's going to be more pay. Not always is more hours and more pay what you need. What does your family need? Is, is your priorities correct? Do you still have time to pray and read? Do you still have time to get God's purpose and plan for your marriage and for your children? Because if you don't, that job opportunity is not of God. It's of the devil. I've saw marriages doing really good, thriving, thriving, and take a job opportunity with different hours, different location. And years, two, three, four years later, their marriage be in shambles. But their wallet's full. Just more to fight over in a divorce, if you ask me. Do you see? Lift your hands to heaven. Father, we give you our hands. We give you our hands, Father, for you said whatever we put our hands to would be blessed. Now, Father, we are your people. And we are known as the children of God. Father, we just turn our hearts towards you. And Lord, if we've not been faithful in our workplaces, God, if we've walked away from things, if we've complained, if we've not taken on responsibility, Lord, that we believe you wanted us to do, to have the power of influence in our job, to have the power, the sphere of influence amongst our employer. Father, we repent. We repent for not showing up on time. We repent for taking an ink pen that wasn't ours. For we didn't come to steal from our employer, but we came to give. Father, we work as unto you. Father, we forgive our employer. We forgive our employer for saying hurtful things. I see somebody right now, you're, you have an employer that's been very destructive in your mind and in your heart and your worth is because of you, you're, you're a very work-oriented person and you get satisfaction from what you do, but that's been neglected and you have not been affirmed, but you've been degraded. God's healing that place right now, but you've got to let go. You've got to say, I forgive you. And tomorrow you've got to show up with a different attitude and a different mindset. God's removing that right now from you. Father, we forgive our employers that have, have ruled with an iron fist. And Father, we begin to use the Holy Spirit as our guide in our workplaces, Father. And we begin to pray for compassionate hearts, Father, and, and people to be blessed in our workplace. And Father, that you would receive the glory through our hands, God, through us. God, that you would use us to get your plan done. And Father, that the way we work would draw people to you. It would draw men unto you, that they would see our work ethic and they would ask, why? Why are you like this? And say, because I don't work just for Honda. I work for the Lord and I wanna represent God well. Father, we ask Lord that 
as we go through this next season, God, that you begin to reveal to us places where we can become better. I speak to employers in this house. I know there's businesses. And God, I just thank you. God, that right now employees that have just been awful, awful. They don't show up. They don't do what they say. They, they have entitled hearts and spirits. God, I just ask right now, Lord, that you would begin a work in their heart, in their mind. And God, you would begin to change that situation. But Father, it says that you judge the hearts. God, if their heart cannot be repaired, if their heart cannot be one that would work hard and bring something to the table, God, then remove them right now in the name of Jesus and bring good people to work hard with a good work ethic that would bring blessing into this business in the name of Jesus. Father, I thank you that you would begin to bless Christian men and women, Father, that have entrepreneurial spirits in this house, God, that you would begin to give them favor wherever they go. Father, that they would see their employees, Father, not as slaves, but God, that they would see them like you are and they would treat them fairly. And there would be none differential between them, but they would treat them all the same. Raise up leaders in our churches, God, that would lead at their workplaces, that would make a difference in our local community. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen and amen. Now, if you're in the house today, you may have come on a week where we're talking about jobs and we're talking about responsibility. But I ask you today, have you made things right with God? You know, each one of us here, the majority of us have all said yes to Jesus. But I ask you today, if there be anyone in the house that maybe you have not said yes to him, and you don't, you, your, your life is a mess right now. And maybe you don't even have a job. You lost your job last week. I don't know what that looks like. But I know that God cares about the things that you care about. He cares about the things that we care about. But what's more important than anything is that you care about your soul. And that we all need a Savior. For we've all fallen short. We've all missed the mark. We've all sinned. And we've all needed this Savior. And I just ask you today, if there's anyone in the house today that would say, I need to know this Savior. I need Jesus to come and wash me clean. I haven't been forgiven of my sins. And, and, and you're talking about this great card that I didn't even know existed. And I just want to say yes to the Lord today. And then I'm going to start the process of serving him. Don't worry. It might look too big. That's okay. You've got all of us to help. We didn't all have it worked out. We still don't all have it worked out. We're still in the growth. We're still working it out. But we're doing it together. Is there anyone in the house that would say, I want Jesus as my personal Savior? Prayer team, I'm going to dismiss you to go to the back, some of you, so that you can help me be my eyes. Is there anyone in the house today that would say, I want to make Jesus my Lord and Savior? Anyone that would take on that responsibility today, Say, God, I want you to come into my life. Forgive me of my sins. Wash me clean. That I could be a part of your kingdom. That I could be loved. That I could be called your children. Anyone. All right. Church, if you need prayer in your body, if you need prayer for anything that's going on emotionally, spiritually, physically, the healer is here in the house. Prayer team, I'm asking you to come forward. Those of you that are working the front today, we are going to be here. We're going to pray with you until every last one of you has been prayed for. 
and we're going to believe God with you that a miracle is going to take place. Now, Father, in the name of Jesus, we release the house. Father, we release them to go home and to be safe and to eat a good lunch. Father, but I ask you this week that you would bring in the rejected, the dejected, the lost, the broken to these people. God, that they could invite them to church or give them an invitation to know our Savior. Father, for we know that time is short before your return is closing quickly. Father, we don't want to be idle in our time. Father, bring people across our path that we can show the love of Jesus and teach them your way. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen and amen. If you're coming to the receiving uh, of Ed Ingram, it will be from 2 to 4 with a funeral following. And if uh, we're also going to have a funeral dinner afterwards. Today. Today from 2 to 4. All right. Love you guys. See you later on.